Good morning, folks. Ah, uh, wow. Lots going on out there, isn't it? I've said that more than once in the last couple of years. It's starting to become the norm, isn't it? We're, we're not as surprised as we used to be with sudden things happening in the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> And it's a, it's a time of prayer, it's a season of prayer for the body of Christ, and um, so I'm, excuse me. So I'm planning on this morning um, having a little bit of a shorter message, don't get too excited about that, I'm, I'm not making too many promises there, but uh, so that we have more time at the end to pray for Ukraine, Russia, and other things, and, uh, and do that together as a body. Um, there, there is a, a lot of prayer happening this week. Uh, it, as if you already heard, 530 uh, today, um, uh, it's called prophetic prayer, and that, all that means is the, the group just waits uh, for a while before they have a final decision on what they're going to pray about. They just wait and sit in silence and see what the Lord is, is seems to be speaking to, uh, you know, two or three people, and, and that's normally how that works. It's not every time, but, but it's, uh, that's just how that prayer time begins, and that'll happen today at 5.30. But at 3.30, I was notified yesterday that, um, maybe it was Friday, I can't remember, but uh, a friend of mine, a new friend of mine, Steve Price, his, is organizing a, a community prayer gathering at Highland Baptist Church. Steve Price is Someone's been coming to our monthly community prayer gatherings. He's um, uh, a layman. He's not on staff anywhere, but he uh, helps coordinate prayer among the Shelby County Baptist churches. And so they've kind of put this out, and he just has it on his heart that we just really need to gather and pray for Ukraine. Uh, He's been in Russia on mission trips about a handful of times, so I'm sure they'll be praying for Russia. That's at 3.30 today at Highland Baptist Church. And encourage you as many as I can uh, to be there today. Uh, then this week uh, is our monthly um, community prayer gathering. We've been praying at different ministries like Operation Care we did, uh, I think it was last month. We've been at a Loving Choice, been at, I mean, excuse me, at uh, uh, Awake Ministries, etc. We've been at a couple churches, so we're going to be at Centennial Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Norris Beckley, who's a, again, a new friend over the last couple years, um, he, uh, I think it was this year he received a, the Citizen of the Year Award from Shelbyville. And uh, what a servant to the community. Um, and so that's a black Baptist church. So God is bringing his people together under the banner of his name to do work in his kingdom. And prayer is one of the fastest and easiest ways to unify yourselves because we don't focus on a bunch of theological differences. We focus on Jesus and the power of his name. And, uh, and so I, I encourage you, uh, if you haven't been to these uh, prayer gatherings before or, or whatever, please do that. Um, uh, again, just to, to emphasize the importance of unified prayer in the body of Christ. Uh, tomorrow is the first Monday of the month. That's our time to pray our 30 or 60 minutes that you've signed up for uh, to pray for Shelby County. And when God motivated me, to be to to really initiate uh, this this prayer gathering of believers, it was 
I, God showed me this dome of darkness over our county. And it was demonic forces working together as a strategic plan uh, to keep people in addictions, overdoses, suicides, etc., that have just been rampant, just increasing more and more, not just in our county, but others. And I felt a sense of defeat, like God says, that you're losing. And, and then I just, just as quick, I heard and I felt that God is raising an army, a prayer army, to pray against the, this darkness over our county so that, uh, so that, that their power would be broken God's freedom and his power to release people, deliver people from addictions and bondages and, uh, and heal wounded hearts. And, and, but I want to mention this again because it wasn't just a Living Waters prayer army, a prayer group. It was an army of believers across churches. And so I say to you, join in uh, this prayer in your 30, 60-minute slot. Join in these prayer gatherings that are happening because you're a part of an army that is um, uh, doing damage to the devil's work. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16 and look at the first four verses there. And um, uh, before we do that, I'm just going to open up in prayer and, uh, and ask God to help me in this message, as I believe it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just so important to the heart of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we look to your word as our guide in these days. Lord, there's many questions and doubts. There's many, what, is this the end times? And is Jesus coming back soon? Is there gonna, when, when is the rapture going to happen? When, you know, all these questions out there, well, God, we turn to your word, and we thank you that you're, you are our rock. We're on firm, a firm foundation. We're in a good place. And Lord, we do not walk or live in fear today in Jesus' name. I just want to say that I, I want to kind of correct an attitude that I've had occasionally uh, and, um, and, and share this with you, that, that we are all here in 2022 for a reason, including our children. And I don't know if you've said this, I probably said it this past week or two. Oh gosh, it's, it's, the world has changed so much. Uh, it's such a hard time to grow up and all the attacks on uh, our children's uh, sexual identity and their walk with God and there's, there's just so many temptations out there. It's just a terrible day to grow up in America. Something like that. And with that, if that's said with compassion that has empathy to motivate us to prayer, you know, there, there's good in that. But if that's full of discouragement, despair, and, and, uh, and hopelessness, we don't want to talk like that, do we? Because our children were born for such a day as this, in this county, in this state, in this nation, in this world, for such a day as they were appointed by God to be birthed and live right now, to grow up, to be... Uh, a light in a greater darkness than what we experienced growing up. They were chosen for this. Our grandchildren were chosen for this. Don't, don't have fear about, you know, I have two little grandkids. Listen, I have fear about them. God chose them to be born this time, to be raised up 
and God's mighty army. And so let's just be careful when we say that, that it motivates us to prayer with compassion, but we, in the next sentence we also have faith that this is God's right timing for them and our children, our families, our, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And I've got to do that to cover some of you guys have great-grandchildren. Love it. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. It says, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up and testing Jesus. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. So this is, of course, a controversial subject, and, um, and I'm going to be you know, careful in that sense and ask the Lord to... Uh, lead me and keep me close to uh, God's Word. Uh, but whenever you talk about the end times, there's at least four views out there, if not more, on what's really happening and what could be happening. And um, I really appreciated Sid Roth's book, and I can't remember the name of it. It was several years ago. I, I went through this book. He edited, and he had four different, I think it was, maybe it was five, five different views of the end times, and he had respectable people that most of the leaders I knew who were respectable Bible teachers and leaders write their view of the end times. When, when does the rapture happen? When does the tribulation happen? When does Jesus come back? These questions that people really study, and, and I study it some, but I let you know, I mean, I, it's, so, it's so deep of a subject, I don't study it on and on and on. And in he, Sid Roth, he did not, uh, he didn't you know, write in the book where he, came, he, where he came out of. And we need to give people liberty like that in the body of Christ. Again, because God is uniting the body of Christ to be a great army together. And these, these views have biblical or scriptural verses to support them. And it can be another reason to divide the body of Christ. And so we need to be careful about that, that we're not uh, so um, you know, passionate about our view of the end times that we end up you know, backing away and saying no, and, and, and we, we uh, end up encouraging division in the body of Christ. Jesus, in this passage, is being tested by the Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew 12, they did the same thing, asked for a sign back then. He said the same thing to that group of of religious leaders that were trying to trick him, trying to have him stumble up. And he said, hey, you know, you're, you're not going to get a sign except the sign of Jonah. You know, what is that sign of Jonah? Think about it for a minute. Uh, Jonah was in a belly of a well for three days. Uh, he, w- he, was th- he was in there because he was disobedient. He didn't like Nineveh and the Ninevites. He despised them. He didn't want to go preach. To them, he hated them. And, but he was in the belly well for three days. He was spit out on the land, and he ended up preaching. He was hoping they wouldn't repent, but they repented. The most unlikely people to come to the Lord, come to, to God, 
were the Ninevites, and they did. And that's the message to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Remember John the Baptist in prison, he sent some of his disciples, uh, hey, you know, go, go, you know, ask Jesus what's going on here. I'm in prison, it's not looking too good for me. You're out there still ministering, are you really the one, the sent one, the Messiah? And Jesus replied this way, tell John that the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers who are poor and destitute and, and, and disenfranchised, they're being healed. Tell them that the gospel is being preached to the poor. And that is, that's the sign, that's the sign of Jonah. That's the most unlikely people, not the religious leaders who spend all their time just talking and debating about this or that, uh, uh, you know, and putting rules and, and legalism on others. No, it was the, the person that was away from the synagogue, away from the temple, who, who was, seemed to be just another common you know, person who was just far. They're the ones that Jesus was healing and delivering and saving. That's the sign of Jonah, that repentance is going to happen to the most unlikely people. Of course, some of the unlikely people were religious folks like the Apostle Paul was one of those Pharisees and Sadducees full of legalism to the point of leading people to stone and to, to kill and arrest new Christians and he was unlikely and he got saved as well. But so Jesus is saying that, that, that there, there's signs everywhere. You, you, see, you look at the skies and predict the weather and all that. There's, sign, there's signs that are happening right now. Look at, look at my ministry. It's happening right now. But he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And so there is this caution here about signs. Even though they're there, we need to discern them. There, there's this caution. And I, and I feel like I just want to give a caution right now. I, just, I know I've already mentioned we don't want de- this, this debates over the end times theology divide us in the body of Christ. Let's have a healthy debate. Let's look at scriptures together. Let's study it out some more. And also, we don't want an obsession with the end time events overpower our devotion to Christ. That it consume everything about our walk with God. It consumes our relationships. What, what we t- and, we, and we forget that there's a hurting person that just needs help, that just needs Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, and you're getting on to him about the end times and this was it. And you're, you see what I'm saying? It can get in the way of the ministry of the gospel if it's not in right priority, if it's, in a, it's more of an obsession than in right priority. And yet I'm grateful for people who do study it out because I go to them because it is such a huge subject and there might be a time that I, I dig in deeper and I, and I will let you know and I'll kind of share some things, but... Um, it, it is, it, I mean, I could spend every day, all day, it's so interesting to me, watching all the different news things, trying to piece it all together, staying in the Scripture all day. Try, I mean, it's so fascinating. I could do it all day. But I know that that's, that is not where God wants me. There's people that are hurting and dying and going to hell right now. And so I've got to be, find them, and I've got to d- disciple uh, this church family so we can reach that hurting person. So I believe there's a couple of cautions, even though we are today looking at some signs of the times that, that w- careful that it doesn't become an obsession and drown out other ministry priorities that God has for you. So what is 
if you just read the Bible, the main sign of the times, we are living in a time where we can say we have seen the main biblical sign of the end times. And when you read the Old Testament, there's prophecies after prophecies of God regathering Jews from around the world and bringing them back to the land. And that has never happened to any other nation or people on the earth, though others have tried. And that's never happened before. And it's an absolute miracle, and it was prophesied, that was a legit prophecy of the Old Testament that's been fulfilled in 1948 when Israel became a nation again. And the reason why that is the number one biblical sign of the end times is because all the end times, when you read the book of Daniel and Revelation, it's happening around Israel and the Jews in Israel. It's happening in the Middle East with the Jews in the land. So there were end time prophetic teachers who centuries before 1948 would, would have a heart. We all have a heart for Jesus to come back soon. Jesus, deliver us from this this world, we have this desire, God, Jesus, come back, crack the sky, deliver us. And we have this desire for that. But they were, but the ones who looked carefully would say, listen, it's not going to happen right now because Israel, the Jews haven't come back to the land yet. And since 1948, we can say we have the main sign has happened. And now the things that we read in the book of Revelation can begin happening. Revelation 12 is the, the, the depiction of Satan rebelling against the angel. There's a war in heaven, and Satan and his 130 angels, who were also rebellious with him, were defeated, and Satan was cast to the earth. And we need to capture this. There's a, <laughs> we're, where is Satan's attitude today? We're going to read it in these few verses and be encouraged on where we're at as well. Revelation chapter 12, uh, verses 11 and 12. And it's now talking about um, uh, how the, Satan is called the accuser of the brother, brethren, uh, us, and he accuses us night and day. He hates us. He's, he's, he's accusing us, trying to put guilt on us, and and trying to bring us down, it says, and they, that would be us, the believers, verse 11, and they overcame him, Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So we need to realize that in the earth, Satan does have this influence over, uh, you know, in, in the cultures of government and, and nations. And, and he is putting as much darkness in society as he can. As many attacks that he can. And he, because he knows, he's, 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 he's furious. He hates us because we, God loves us so much, we're believers. And he hates the Jews because they were chosen as God's people. Now, if you know our, one of our distinctives here at Living Waters is that we uh, stand with Israel because one of the, of the end times biblical uh, story, but because we believe that God still is going to do a move of the Spirit and bring Jews into His kingdom 
and have massive revivals among Jewish people. And that we are blessed, and he calls believers to bless the Jewish people. And with that, there's blessings back. And so, Satan is after God's people, the Jews, and he's after believers. And he says, he knows, he he can read the book of Revelation, folks. Satan can read English. He can read the Greek. He can read, and he knows how it ends. That he loses the final battle with Jesus. And so he's either just trying to, uh, you know, get back at his enemy, Jesus, by attacking us. Or, and I think this is just Stephen Riley's commentary, a little, my little kind of made-up thing here. That he has a little hope. Maybe he can win that last battle, particularly if I can wipe out Israel and Jerusalem where the, all the battle happens and Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem, maybe if I can wipe it out first, maybe I have this little hope of winning in the end. I don't know if he has any hope or not. I don't know. He has wrath. He has fury. He's motivated by hate. I know that, right? And so there is this, when we look at what's happening in the earth, is this connected to Israel and Jerusalem? It's a legit question because Satan hates believers and the Jews. Praise God. We overcame him. Aren't you glad that's in there? We overcome Satan and all of his demons. Doesn't matter how many were out there attacking the Riley home. We overcame him by the blood of Jesus that covers us. I'm righteous. I'm protected. I'm covered mind, body, soul, and spirit. By the word of our testimony that I have, yes, a testimony that Jesus does live in me. He has, I've chosen him. He is someone that works in my life. I have a testimony that he is real in me. It's not just head knowledge. It's heart experience and and, in that I do not love my life unto the death. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Ukrainian Christians read this and go, Okay, am I ready for this? Do I love my life more than Jesus? Russian Christians are contemplating, do I take a stand? Do I go out and protest? Do I love my life more than siding with what my convictions are in the Word or with God? This is a real verse. This is, this is happening today. You know, you ask us, is this the end times? And, well, it might be, maybe this is... If you're a Ukrainian Christian right now, I said, can it get any worse than this? Jesus, please come now. This is so horrible what we're living through right now. There's this little organization named Project Dynamo started just past August because of Afghanistan. Brian Stern, he and a few others started this Little groupings of social workers and all helping people escape Afghanistan. Americans and anyone that that had a legit uh, legal right to leave Afghanistan, and they went undercover to do this. Well, now he's in Ukraine. And he says every story is gut-wrenching, horrible, how they, uh, who has died, who has, what's happening in their family being split up, 
uh, the, all of their life's belongings is in a, a suitcase and a backpack. It says it's just every story. And, the, and then, of course, the heart is, is it particularly for the children and to get them to safety. I want to go to Ezekiel 38. And these couple of chapters in Ezekiel are kind of the key chapters people read and reread regarding the end times. And could this be a, uh, uh, what's happening right now with Russia and Ukraine, an end time battle that's actually written about in Scripture? And, and I'm going to uh, you know, say a few things here. Again, we can disagree and, and, and we're walking in unity. But in this passage, we're going to be reading uh, the whole passage, verses 1 through 9, or a longer passage, of course, the chapter goes on and on. And, and, it, and it says that, you know, this, is, this battle that happens is from armies from the north, and it's to the land where the people this, uh, have been restored, and they've been gathered from many nations. So we know that this passage is prophesying about a battle in Israel after 1948. Because that's, that's how it describes it. It's attacking uh, Israel or the Jews when they've been restored back to their land. And the term that you hear often, it's, it's here in this passage. There's a place, Revelation, it's, it's mentioned a couple of places. Gog and Magog are a couple of terms used out of the Bible to describe this. And um, there's a map here that, and you know, these, these names in these passages, one reason why you go back and read it, it's hard to follow because they're ancient names of ancient peoples. And this is one map. I actually saw another one. It was different. Um, so, you know, I haven't studied enough to come up with opinion, but uh, that Rosh is Russia area, and Gog is the name of a leader over Rosh. And um, Magog is a land... Also from the north, now again, another map I saw flipped over here on the other side of Turkey instead of the left side of Turkey, and, uh, and that would include right now in this area of Ukraine, uh, as you can see in this map. And Persia, as an ancient term, refers to the area of Iran. And so what I'm getting at is that there is, um, you know, these terms, it's hard to exactly figure out where it's all coming from. But let's just read this, and you can get a feel for it. Here right now. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I'll bring you out and all your armies, horses and horsemen, and all of them splendidly attired, a great army with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, and all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, with all its troops, Beth Togama, from the remote parts of the north, with all its troops, many peoples with you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be summoned in the latter years, you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. But its people were brought out from the nations, and they are living securely, all of them. You will go up, you will come uh, like a storm, you will be like a cloud covering the land. 
you and all your troops and many peoples with you. And so it's describing this invasion of Israel with many peoples surrounding Israel and particularly this uh, northern um, armies and nations coming down. And what I am hearing is that these, what we're seeing today, are birth pangs of this, but many biblical scholars who look at the end times are saying this, this isn't this exactly, but it's birth pangs, it's precursors, it's setting this environment up for this to happen at a later time. Now, birth pangs, uh, you women, thank you, you know what, you're, what that all means. Us men can only imagine. Uh, and, uh, you know, do the videos of the births, and, you know, so we got it on video. Uh, but uh, we don't know what you've been through. And, uh, but you tell us that, you know, birth pangs are, you know, real, they're, they can be real, they can be painful, they can, but they're not like the real thing. It's not as bad as the real uh, pushing out when the baby really does come out. And so this is the idea that actually Jesus gives, and we're going to read that passage here in a moment out of Matthew 24, uh, that there are such things as birth pangs that happen to earth, but he says it's not quite yet. One thing that I've learned is that I am actually uh, been more naive than I thought. I grew up in the Cold War, 70s and 80s, where you know, supposedly uh, we needed all these nuclear arms you know, because Russia... Uh, was this, you know, very, they would, Russia would, could invade any time and overtake the world. And, and, uh, and now we're seeing that, uh, you know, maybe that was a real thing, huh? And I'm saying that I thought, hey, in the modern contemporary world, we have all this technology, you know, surely there just wouldn't be an evil dictator out there to just go invade neighboring nations and just overtake them just, just because they wanted to do it or more power, more whatever. Yeah, there are. 9-11 taught us that, you know, my goodness, you know, there's this minority group of Muslims, as Islamic extremists, they, they're terrorists and they have these terror cells around the country and, and boy, they can do a lot of damage even though they're in, they're, there's very much a minority group there. They can do a lot of damage on the earth. But I thought, hey, you know, well-developed nations and modern, you know, surely this wouldn't happen. It's happening. And we realize that, hey, okay, what we studied last week is that, hey, the heart given to man is deceitful and wicked and all kinds of evil does come out of the inside of man. And so give someone some, an open door with power. They can be tempted to the point of just wiping out people and they don't even care. I want to go ahead to Matthew chapter 24 now and look at this passage. I'm going to stop at certain places and just make comments to it. These are the words of Jesus, and uh, the disciples asked for a sign, and, and, uh, and, and he, they were looking at the temple that was beautifully, amazingly built, a temple that was so big and strong and, and, and created there, uh, rebuilt that it was no way it was going to ever go anywhere. Well, it, in AD 70, it was destroyed and dismantled, you know, just a number of years after the disciples are talking here. Uh, and so we're gonna, I'm going to start reading at verse 1 and go through 14. 
Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to a point out there at the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things, these things will happen. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said, that, said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and which will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. So, that's this concept that, yeah, there is going to be this, this very tumultuous time in the earth where there are wars and rumors of new, more wars, but don't be frightened. It is not yet the end. And so let's take that to heart, folks. Write it down on your devotional pages Jesus said, do not be frightened, even though there's wars and rumors. A Ukrainian believer somehow, you know, take this to heart. Somehow, I don't know, by the grace of God, you can do it. I don't know. Just, this is the word for you. Do not be frightened. God is with you. Let's read on. Verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in very places there will be famines and earthquakes. So there's more imagery that, that Jesus is giving that there's this chaos. These kingdoms are, go, are, are against each other and nations against each other and even famines and earthquakes. And, and Luke, it mentions the pestilences, right? Like we were, had a pandemic in the earth. And so what you got is really a, a world that is tumultuous and in chaos and I'm, I'm leaving on in just a week and a half, March 18th, to go uh, to Kurdistan. And um, this is, in next Sunday, Lord willing, I want to have you guys praying for me and the team that's going there uh, from other leaders around the country and, and just missionary-type people who want to get there in Kurdistan and see what God is doing. And um, so I'm going to break this down and do a map and so forth, uh, but we're going with FAI, Frontier Alliance International. Martin Mallory's on their board. He's actually on their staff and does missionary care in Kurdistan and other places for their missionaries. And they take this phrase and say, look at the earth. How many opportunities there are to take the gospel in places where normally you wouldn't go, but because... Of, and so that's what they do. And they've been in front... Lines with medical clinics where the Kurds have been fighting ISIS and, there's, and they're supporting the Kurds with medical clinics. And these places, uh, uh, the Kurds are moderate uh, Muslims who fight Islamic terrorists and, and minister to them and bring the gospel to them in person. And, and I just want to take a moment and just kind of do a quick tangent here that I feel like even... Taking that to Kentucky last fall when this horrible tornado went through our state, that was, that was a horrible crisis and devastation. We gave money um, from our church to Convoy of Hope 
But I haven't been very satisfied with myself that we did enough. Could we have done more uh, either as a team of people or connect with others? And I want to do more research on that, what's going on down there in even Kentucky. It's our own state. That the disaster relief ministry may not just be once every now and then. It, it could be on the earth if we're living in a day where there's going to be more turmoil and more chaos, crises. We just need to be ready. Yeah, I mean, we, we're going to be ministering in disasters and crises around the world. That's just the way the world is. And we're believers. We carry hope and we carry uh, healing for hurting people. So next verse, verse 8, Jesus says this term that I've already mentioned, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. That's how he says these things are going to happen. They're, it's not yet the end, but it's, it's the beginning, so be aware. Verse 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So Ukrainian, Russian believers are reading this. Okay, this, this could be the day the Lord has made. I might be before leaders and I might get killed today. But it's an opportunity for me to stand for Christ and show who's ever watching that Jesus is alive. And he's alive to me. And I, I, love, I don't love my life more than I love Christ. So there's a temptation on the earth right now when lawlessness is not just happening, let's say, in our own uh, society, but in the earth, that there's just lawlessness where a dictator... A leader will just, uh, you know, who cares about war crimes, just do whatever you want, and, and will arise, and our love will go cold. Our discouragement, our heart, our anger, our bitterness, and, and our hearts were soft before the Lord, but they get calloused over time. And we walk in discouragement. That's why you still need to have worship in your life. That's why we need to still ask for peace and joy in our life. So our hearts don't grow cold. Verse uh, 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's another prayer of ours. Lord, help us endure tough circumstances. We'll be saved. And if you're here in this room or online or watching later, and you don't know if you're saved, you haven't really made Jesus Christ Lord you love life more than Jesus. You love uh, yourself and the decisions you make for self. You really haven't turned it all over. Let me tell you, this is a good time to do it. There's no reason to live any longer where you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior. But, you know, to be honest, He's not my Lord of my life. These days and these end times, there, there, there's no room for that. You won't last. You won't endure. Make Him Lord of all areas of your life. Take yourself off the throne of your heart. Put Jesus as on the throne of your heart. Verse 14, the next one. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. 
And I, again, Lord willing, want to go back to this verse and look at it again because it tells us the importance of, of being involved in missions, including where there's unreached or unengaged, they call it cultures and people, because Jesus is going to come back, but he's, he's got a mission of getting the word out in all peop- with all peoples. And I want to talk to you that about Kurdistan and where the Ross family is going in Thailand. So in a few minutes, I want us to transition to some prayer for a, a handful of things. And I'm going to kind of, when I start praying, I'm going to kind of share some things and then pray about it. Share some things that I've seen and heard and pray about it. But there is this need in, or, or instruction in Scripture in Galatians 6.10. It says, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. And we need to be praying for the believers in Ukraine and Russia and have a special attention to them. And I'm not going to go into more scriptures on this, and, and it's, it's important to say, but when God is working in the earth, people say, well, you know, is, is this, you know, what is God doing in the earth? Well, he's, he's always working in the earth. When the pandemic started, he didn't go, oh, that totally surprised me. Oh, Putin just invaded Ukraine. The father didn't go, hey, Jesus, did you know that was going did, did that baffle you? We need to have a little meeting. Call the Holy Spirit up here. We need to figure this out. What is going on down there right now? Jesus Christ is on the throne. They are not caught by surprise at anything. They're always working in the earth, right? Our God is always working in the earth. He's, they're not, the Trinity is not surprised. God's not surprised. And so there's two things that's always happening when God's work is in the earth. Is that when these shakings, hap, shakings happen on earth, everything that can be shaken is shaken, and what cannot be shaken is just purified by consuming fire to be more strong. So the body of Christ, we're getting purified and getting stronger and the world it even in judgment god is trying to get their attention to bring a greater harvest think boy that is that god's judgment you know that's really horrible that's, and it is at the same time god is always just trying to get more people saved and as you've read and i've read that the bibles uh, have been sold out in ukraine in the last few weeks that the Bible app um, uh, that Craig Rochelle does, they, they've been tracking it. And in Ukraine, in that area, their purchases of the Bible app had just increased over the last month. People seek God in the midst of crises. And it's fertile ground. God is working. He is called the Lord of the harvest. And folks, He is harvesting folks right now in Ukraine and Russia that wouldn't, what, weren't saved before. And maybe never gotten saved. Yes, God is at work. He is at work. He's the Lord of the harvest. And he's always looking for others to be saved. I want us to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up. And and I want us to uh, kind of get ready to pray here. I'm going to just mention a handful of things that are general. And like I said, I might get more specific here uh, and, and share some things as I pray.
we want to pray for the believers. And that includes Messianic believers. Paul Wilbur, um, um, you know, if we're going to, tell you what, let, let's jump to the, the ministries, and you might want to take pictures of these resources to give to uh, before we pray, because we'll, we'll just probably end out as we pray. But go on to uh, uh, the, there's two slides. These first two are ministries that are based out of Louisville, Poland. It's a, it's a proemministries.org, and Mulberry International has actually been feature, featured on WHAS recently. And Dave Hamlin was in meeting with him, uh, pastor of Shelby Christian Church, has been on mission trips with these organizations. They're based out of Louisville. You go to their websites. Uh, uh, so they have you know, good reputable ministries to children, outreach ministries, and in um, Poland, they're receiving most of the refugees from Ukraine. Uh, around 700,000 are going into Poland, and that's about half of all the refugees coming out of Ukraine is going to Poland. Um, Paul Wilbur Ministries, uh, they're giving to Ukraine. He has a friend in Kiev who is the pastor of the largest 2,000-member ch- Messianic believers church in Kiev, in Kiev that... that he knows that pastor, so he gets texts from Ukraine, you know, on a daily basis, updates of what's happening there and what's happening to the body of Christ. So we want to pray for believers. Also want to pray for safety and protection uh, for all, all Ukrainians and pray for victory. We want to pray for evacuees that are trying to get out and God would... Uh, open doors for them. Paul Wilber said God showed him, and, and this is one way he's praying, is that there's an unholy trinity, Russia, China, and Iran, and pray against that happening and that coming together and that strength coming together. And I want to mention I've been in contact with Sean Ellis uh, and uh, you know, his family's in Taiwan as missionaries, and we want to pray for them. Um, they actually understand that they might have to evacuate Taiwan at any moment, and they just live with, they call it a go bag, uh, where you, you have essential things, and if you have to like leave within five minutes, you can just grab and go. They've lived with that, and it's been that much more with President Xi since 2016 or so, uh, that's just ramped up more and more every year. So they're kind of used to all the flyovers with the fighter jets and things. I mean, they, that's just kind of a, a weekly thing they've been going through for years. But he said, just recently, we have children in Sunday school talking about being afraid. And he said, that is, that is how we need to minister right now, is to, that God would give our families, our children, peace. And so they're ready. They're ready, they're ready to come and, and, and fly out and come, come back to the States, perhaps right here to Kentucky, and it and, uh, could happen tomorrow. Yet could be, <clears throat> they feel like it is going to happen. It might be a couple years out. So we need to pray for, for them and, and their ministry. And we need to pray for righteous leaders in the earth. As evil 
leaders can do terrible damage to innocent people. Uh, really, we're all inspired, I'm sure, about President uh, Zelensky there in Ukraine and how he is taking bold stands and with his people. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia, Belarus. I read one article where Belarus pastor says, I, I have friends, we, we partner together in ministry with these Ukraine churches and my nation is helping this attack. My heart is broken. Lord, there's, there's, we pray for continued unity among the believers in these, in these nations. Father, we pray that you give them the courage to know that you've brought them to that land for this, such a time as this, that they live on this earth for such a time as this, whether they're in a bus going to a refugee camp or if they're here shelling outside their door, Lord, you have your hand upon them. Raise them up, Lord God. Unify them, Lord Jesus. Hear their prayers, Lord God. Father, we pray for miracles. We've seen pictures of missiles not going off and, and armored vehicles being abandoned uh, uh, mysteriously and bullets not hitting the mark, Lord God. We're hearing about miracles. We pray you answer their prayers and, and give them a power, Lord God. Father, we pray that you give them courage, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that, that they see a great harvest right now, Lord God. That, Father, they would be bold, Lord God, and many would come to know you, Lord Jesus, and Ukraine and Russia. Belarus and that whole region, Lord, may the body of Christ explode like never before, Lord Jesus, in might and strength, Lord God. Father, help them get access to those Bible apps and Bibles, Lord God. Lord Jesus, encourage them and build them up. Hallelujah. We pray for safety for them, their prayers of protection, Lord God. We pray for victory in the battles that they're facing, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for the gospel to spread in, in among the refugees in the neighboring countries, Lord God. And the gospel is taken to these countries. And the, and the churches expand there, Lord God. Lord, we know the devil hates the believers. He hates the Jews. There's almost 400,000 Jews in in uh, Ukraine, Paul Wilbur's family's from Kiev. That's where his great-grandmother came from, Lord God. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you bring a, a greater harvest among the Jews in that region, Lord God. That they realize that Jesus is the true Messiah. He was not a fake one. He was not a, a, a myth. That he was real. He really did come for them. Lord Jesus, may their eyes be open and may many Jews come to know you, Lord. I was reading this week about um, people in the shelters in Ukraine, about how they've been praying Psalm 31, and I'm going to read some of that. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Be the refuge for the Ukrainian people. 
Let them never be put to shame. Deliver them in your righteousness. Turn your ear towards them, to the people in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Belarus, and the people around there. Be their rock. Be their refuge. Be their strong fortress. Save them, Lord, not just physically. Save them spiritually, as Stephen's mm. been praying. Yes. Lord, that's the most important thing. Lord, I pray you'd be the fortress for the American and European and NATO soldiers that are being put on duty right now. Uh, Jonah Cloniger is being sent over there, Lord. And I talked to a couple of soldiers this week that were getting ready to head over there just at random. They knew they were on their way. Lord, I pray that you use this as an opportunity to not only be their refuge, but Lord, that you would save them spiritually, that young men and women in the U.S. military in all of the European countries, that they would reach out to God in their fear that they would go, I need something more. There there would be a revival that breaks out among those young men, women. Use this as an opportunity to expand your kingdom. Lord, may leaders in these nations not just turn to their resources, but all these leaders that are in these European nations that are scared and don't know what to do, God, may they turn to you for their ultimate peace and salvation and deliverance in the midst of this. Give them wisdom to make the right decisions, not provocative decisions that make it worse, but the right decisions that help to diffuse what's going on. Verse 3, Lord, be their rock and their fortress. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Lord, we commit to the people of that region. Lord, I just pray for our nation. As I was in a military course this week, I pray for our nation. We are not Mm. near as safe as we used to think that we were. Mm. We're not any better. We're not in a place that we're protected and nothing's going to happen to us in the United States. Lord, I would pray that you would help us to realize that. And our strength and deliverance needs to come from Jesus Christ and no one else. Our military, the forces we have, are not our defense. Our defense is in Jesus Christ. Lord, and I pray you would help us as Christians to be bolder in how we tell people about that. And I pray we, as people in the United States, would stop paying attention to the things that don't matter and start paying attention to the world of what matters in your kingdom through this. That this wakes us up about how great a God you are and what you can do in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Father God, we, uh, we realize that for ourselves, we've been able to be drawn to you uh, by your grace. But we have seen the hope that is in Christ Jesus. We know that though also that the world by and large, is walking in darkness. And they don't know that hope. They don't understand that. And sometimes we have to be put in a corner. We have to be backed up with our back to the wall before we will look up and see our redemption. So, Father, uh, those who are suffering, those who are hurting, would you please reveal yourself to them? It's not ever too late. It's a, t- it's, a, it's a great time to know Jesus, to be introduced to Jesus, 
and to see that he is truly the light of the world, the hope of mankind. Lord, I thank you that you put eternity in every heart. There's a, there's a God spark in every heart, and many turn it off. They, they shut it down. But in times like these, that spark ignites again. And they, their eyes look up for a Savior, for a hope, for a, an everlasting answer. And I pray that in these days, thousands will come to Christ. Yes, thousands will find yes, a Savior, a Messiah. Right. And that they will no longer uh, be walking in darkness, but they will walk in the light of your love. I pray for a revival across the world, Lord. And that you would use these times especially to bring the church of Jesus Christ together that we might stand as one. God, we ask you to shatter the teeth of every enemy, shatter their, their plans and their, their purposes, and break down their strategies, cause them to be confused. And as you did in days of old, where the enemy would turn upon itself and, and flee. So I pray for a miraculous work of that kind uh, among armies that are seeking to do evil in this world. Lord, we ask you to release your spirit now upon this earth. For those who are yearning after you, may they find you. For those who will still be resistant and, and be the enemy of uh, work in, in concert with the, with the enemy of darkness, would you confuse their minds and destroy their plans? God, we praise you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. Thank you that you're working even today in this very hour. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to particularly pray for the body of Christ there. Um, I was reminded in Corinthians when Paul said that this was the condition that he was in, uh, in suffering. He said, we were burdened beyond measure above our strength. We were so despaired even for life. Yes, we had the sentence of death on ourselves. And then he says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, and that he delivered us, and he would continue to deliver us, and he would still deliver us. Three times he said he would deliver us. But then he said something, and I I want to encourage us in the church here. He said, you and your prayers were a part of the rescue operations for us. Isn't that wild, Stephen, that our prayers can be part of the rescue operation for believers there in that land? And he says, I can see your face and your hands lifted now in deliverance for us, a rescue in which your prayers played a crucial part and brought a unity of prayer and power in those prayers. So, you know, I, I look at this sometimes. I think, God, who am I to have power with the Lord that our prayers would mean that, Stephen? So what I'd like yeah. to pray is, is that this would happen to those that they would feel the prayers that we're praying for them. And yeah. heaven, I know, is seeing them. Holy Spirit's seeing them. Jesus seeing them. But then we would just say, here we are, Lord. Would you help us pray in this time? Even if waking in the middle of the night and just saying, Jesus, would you just go? Would you just strengthen our brothers and sisters there? It doesn't have to be a big thing. But I'd like, Stephen, just for us to pray that we yield ourselves mm-hmm. to prayer and intercession at this time. 
Father, I just thank you that Paul was such an example, Father, at that place, Lord, where he didn't even know if he was going to live. It was so bad. He's suffering so bad. And God, I can't even imagine what our brothers and sisters over there, I, I just cannot imagine. But Father, if you say that our prayers matter, then they matter. So Lord, we just give ourselves in whatever way you're calling us to pray and to intercede, we'd be tender, Holy Spirit. Would you tenderize our hearts? Would you soften our hearts? That we would just pray and agree with what you're doing. Father, I do ask for rep- rescue operations to be put in place. For those, Father God, that you're going to bring out, that you've got a plan that they're not to stay there, Father God. Then you open the doors, you open the gates, and angels even to prepare the way to bring about deliverances for them strengthen our beautiful brothers and sisters there in that land. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams if you would go ahead and come up here available for prayer. If you're needing prayer about anything, maybe something going on in your family work or an illness or you're, you're wanting to make Jesus Lord of your life, you want to decide that today. And pray with someone, a friend or uh, a family member there. Uh, if you're online, pray with one of us here. We have a phone line up for the next 30 minutes on Sunday morning. Call them. But in, in my closing prayer, I really want to uh, pray the, the pastor's ironic blessing of shalom over you and over uh, House of Blessing, the church that Ellis' lead uh, on the leadership team there in Taiwan. And, uh, and because that's, that's we, we need God's shalom, his peace. They need, so let's just kind of join our prayers together here and let's receive the shalom of God. The Lord bless you and keep you Living Waters family, House of Blessing in Taiwan. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Children, young children, feel the face of God shining upon you and being gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His shalom. A peace that passes understanding that would even surprise you today in this moment. Everything as it really ought to be, nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of this smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved. May you walk under the warmth of His presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Thank you, Father. We receive the shalom of God and your peace over our minds, over our hearts, over our souls, over our bodies. We're in the hammock of your smile. We're in your arms. We're at rest in you. I'm going to encourage Julian team to go ahead and have another worship song, but I'm going to say, uh, just give you a
permission to be dismissed at this time, or you can stay for more worship or more prayer. Of course, we have the gathering place. There's places to fellowship. So, Lord, we thank you that your word is enough. Your word guides us. And, Lord, we're, by your grace, we're not going to let our hearts grow cold, and we're not going to be live in fear. We're going to live in the shalom of God this week, in your presence, in your power. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Have a great week.